0: kick.
1: Welcome back to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. It's another pretty good week for the Reds. Two more victories, one in the FA Cup against Norwich City, which was admittedly dull and uncomfortable, but a league win against Brighton, which was rampant, dominant and wonderful to watch. It was enjoyable. And how often does football give you a full 90 minutes of enjoyment, not just 30 seconds or or, or a burst? Not that much, but there were 11 seconds that did stand out from United's 3-0 win against Brighton. A sensational counter-attacking goal. Fluent, precise, fast, world-class. Mason Greenwood has three colleagues in the box. Fernandes is one! And that was absolutely lethal. Just as Brighton were looking to get back at Manchester United.
0: They cut them apart. Bruno Fernandes has a second. Manchester United have a third.
1: Jack that was perhaps the most satisfying goal of the last half a decade. Um every part of it was was perfect and the game as a whole was pretty much the same as the goal. It it was almost perfect like Sheffield United last week.
0: Especially the first half performance. Yeah, it was a very very accomplished performance from United. Every player on the pitch contributed very well. I mean that third goal was was something else. You know, coming as Brighton was we starting to pile on a little bit of pressure and I mean to see us break like that, the speed, the precision, everything about that counter attack was majestic to be honest and yeah another very good week for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Man United
1: yeah and I saw uh, Adam Crafton from The Athletic tweeted this is unsettlingly competent from United and it was it, it was unsettlingly comfortable and competent which which is rare for United it, it, we normally I think we said this um, actually last season but we normally only have kind of one good half or uh, one good 60 minutes and then a, an uncomfortable stage of the game at, at least some point and, and as I said in the intro it, it is rare that you, you just get a match which is completely enjoyable without any real scares and the the times that we scored in the way we scored the way we played and to be fair how terrible Brighton were all meant that it was just it was kind of it was it was relaxing to watch United which is yeah it is strange
0: yeah I mean there definitely is something to be said for the fact that Brighton were pretty terrible especially in the first half just had you know absolutely nothing but as we've said so many times this season these are the games that we've struggled in historically in the last three or four years and especially in the first half of this season and now we're finally starting to get at least it seems a little bit of consistency in these games I mean obviously the Norwich game in there which we'll talk about later is a bit of a disappointment and maybe cast some doubt on how accomplished we are in breaking down teams that sit back against us but finally we we have some creativity and I, I watch United in, in these games now and don't think that we're never going to be able to create a good chance I think the only way we're not going to be able to win this game is if for, through poor finishing or an inspired performance by yeah. the goalkeeper I have confidence Confidence and faith in us to go and create those chances. Yeah, which I like, yeah, that definitely is a while. difference.
1: And it, yeah, yeah, it's uh, th- there's so much confidence in the midfield, and I think I don't I, I don't remember having a having confidence in our midfield. I mean, for, for, for even in in Ferguson's last few teams, it was very reliant on Michael Carrick, or it was um, before that very reliant on well on Keane and and Carrick and Fletcher were great, and and the, the midfield of the up until 2009 was was very reliable, and after that it, it became less so, and and now it is, well, we'll talk about the midfield more in a second but I, I did want to talk about Mason Greenwood at the start because that goal first of all 18 years old and that goal was 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 game defining because like yeah. the Sheffield United game it really gave us the ability to just settle into the game assert our dominance and, and, and we did that but the goal itself was was it's of such quality and it's two footed strikers are just enormously fun to watch and it's the kind of goal that Greenwood's been scoring for a decade at whatever level he plays it's the ability to to do those step over some because already he's 18 and uh, but but Premier League defences know that he is ha- he is so good with both feet that they just it, it, it's so hard to defend against.
0: Oh man it was not it was just an unbelievable goal and another great performance from such a young player. I think what is so impressive yeah. to me about what Mason Greenwood has been able to do for us this season is that he's already becoming it, that that sort of finish and that run is already becoming his trademark. Yeah. <laughs> At 18 years old having not even I think he started six less games than dan james this season yeah and so for him to be having that kind of impact and becoming so iconic i guess what at least one of his moves it's quite something for for such a young player who's played a limited amount of games and i mean it's it's just a joy to watch him play he's so fun to watch i mean when he comes inside and starts putting step over to the right it's almost impossible to defend because i mean you can push him down the line and he'll score with his right foot he'll score with his left it it doesn't matter and it makes him so 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 difficult to defend like i said that move where he, he picks up the ball and sort of the edge of the box the right hand corner of the uh, of the penalty area comes inside there's a couple of step-, step overs and shoots it's becoming his trademark
1: yeah and it's I think the great thing with him is uh, I think we saw it less in, in the game against Brighton but over the course of this season you've seen that he can he can score all, all kinds of goals and that, that, that type of goal is certainly yeah. his, his trademark it's the one he scores most commonly but he can score from outside the box he can score a poacher's goal he can cut inside and do that and to have that ability already is I mean, it's it's always this hard position of, of not wanting to overhype things, wanting to manage expectations. And to be fair, one of the great challenges of, of the United Academy is always to manage expectations, and they've done that well with with Mason. And and to be fair, Mason's got his head screwed on; he he knows what he's doing, and the people around him are, are pretty good as well. The same with 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 Rashford. Um, but the rise has been incredible, and it's it's hard not to enthuse about him so much when he's doing what he's doing. And th- th- I mean, I think I think it's worth appreciating how how quick it's actually been because I think with Rashford I, at the time it was it, it did feel very sudden and everyone always spoke about how sudden it was whereas with Greenwood it, it's kind of just because he's been a name for a while and because he's just been so reliable it's almost as if everyone's just kind of accepted that he's a first team player and, and but the, the rise is actually massive and I was I was thinking that I was doing a, a piece for someone about him and well firstly he was he was 17 at the start of the season which is ridiculous in itself yeah. also the first first Time I saw him was only three years ago at uh in an under 15s match. I mean, an under 15s match, and that was only three years ago. It feels like a, a huge amount of time I'm trying to remember. I think Mourinho was probably an IT manager at the time, must have been. Um, it was a yeah, challenge match in Milton Keynes. Ashley Young was there watching. Um, but then uh, only a year after that, he made his first team debut in pre season at the age of 16. Then a pro contract followed on his 17th birthday. Then an FA Youth Cup Patrick against Chelsea, and then he made his debut against PSG. And from that point onwards, he was a first team player. I mean, it's, it is it is pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I think that actually a lot of credit has to go to United for the way that they've kind of managed Mason Greenwood. Because you're right, the rise has been very quick, but he hasn't really become the focus of a ton of media articles of, you know, he's the next coming, the next big thing for England and whatever, which is honestly really refreshing because I think it has definitely taken a little bit of pressure off of his shoulders. We see so many young English players coming through especially at at sort of high level Premier League teams and they're instantly coined as you know England's best ever prospects and they're going to do this and that and so few of them we ever actually see come to fruition and I think I don't really know why Greenwood hasn't really got that I think partly United have done well keeping him out of the media spotlight he hasn't really done many interviews but I also think it's partly because as great as he's been this season most of his best performances and most of his sort of highlights have come later on in the season and they, have, they didn't come instantly in his first sort of five games in the United shirt. Yeah. And so I think it, it allowed him to become a little bit of a known name before he ended up then becoming such a good player. And it, I think it's going to benefit him all the more because it will take a little bit of pressure off yeah. of him. But I mean, take nothing away from everything that he's yeah. done this season because it has been fantastic. And that's what now, six goals in the Premier League, um, which I think is double any other, or sort of maybe three times more than any other yeah. teenager in the league. I think he's already broken the record for the most goals by a teenager at Manchester <laughs> United in a season. I mean, there isn't really much more you can say about him other than he's exciting to watch now um, and it's even more exciting thinking about what he could be like in 5 or 10 years
1: yeah it's the most goals by a a player aged 18 or under in the Premier League in a single season since Rooney in in 2003 or Um, 4 which is I mean it doesn't tell you everything and he's
0: taken I tweeted about this yesterday actually as well but he's he's taken a leaf out of Rooney's books with some of his finishing as well because Rooney was a master of cutting inside and shape of shoot into the far corner yeah and, and then Pulling it back and dragging it to the near post, and Greenwood has mastered that art already.
1: Yeah, and he's he's got that. Uh, I, th- I think it's a natural ability. I don't think it's a, a learned one of being able to shoot at just a second, half a second, point one of a second earlier than the goalkeeper is yeah. is comfortable with him shooting at. and that is it's 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 priceless because he, it, he's going to score so many goals from any hats. I think I think back to almost all of his goals, and most of them are, are from him shooting just a second earlier than the, the goalkeeper thinks the one against Brighton was he he does the step overs and then he I think it's a touch with his right foot and then very quickly finishes straight away after that touch and yeah,
0: it, it's when he shifts it's when he shifts the ball sideways He's, he doesn't seem to need to reset his feet like most players he does everything yeah. into a one strike yeah
1: definitely right we should talk about um the the midfield uh without getting too lay by by Mason Greenwood Uh, again just just fantastic Bruno Fernandes Pogba and Matic the combination is 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 just working really well, and Fernandez. Well, what can we add to the discussion about Bruno Fernandez? Not a great deal, but the, with with Pogba, it's he's just being allowed to to play simply with the occasional moments of ridiculousness that we've come to expect from Paul Pogba and that that style of play for him is means means he's at his best. And it's because Matic is doing his job so well. And it's because Bruno Fernandez is doing his job so well.
0: Yeah, the, th- the three of them have formed you know quite a trio in there. They really have. It's been great to see it. I think without a doubt, you'd have to say this is. The best midfield trio that we've seen for United, at least in terms of how they've actually been performing, probably since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. Honestly, you'd, I think you'd have to go far that that far back, and probably a few years before Ferguson retired, to find a string of games where United's midfield has been working yeah. so effectively. And, you know, it has to come with all the caveats that you know this is a strange time, and you know no team is probably fully back to their best yet. But it's very very positive signs for United, and I think you know Nemanja Matić won't get many of the plaudits here, but he has to take a lot of credit. For his role in that, because he's done brilliantly ever since you know when he get the start against Sheffield United. He can, he's come in and, and he's done very, very well, Shepard in that, Shepherd in that midfield. And I mean Bruno Fernandez well is an interesting one to me because I actually don't think Bruno Fernandez has been that great since the restart. And yet he's still got, what is it, three goals, and he's still been an integral part of so many of the good things that we've done and the goals that we've scored. And it just shows, yeah. as we said a few weeks ago, that think- he doesn't have to be perfect for 90 minutes. He'll create enough of those good moments to create good opportunities for himself or others even when he's not at his best yeah
1: I think I think it's kind of similar to what we were talking about I think last week or maybe the week before he does he gives away the ball a lot um, he'll shoot from long range it'll be blocked or it will it'll be saved it, it might not be a great shot he'll try a pass that doesn't work he'll he'll misplace a, a, a touch and those things do happen <laughs> quite a lot in the game but he does he's just he's, he's kind of just overloading everything and he does so yeah. much in the game that undoubtedly it's going to it's going to work, It's like it's just endless. He'll and, and and against Norwich, for example, he played for 120 minutes and there's that clip during the rounds of him sprinting back to, to get the ball. And and the, the words you used last week was tempo, and I, th- I think that's very true again against Brighton and against Norwich is just having him on the pitch just gives United that kind of t- just a bit of a, a bit of pace to the game. It it doesn't let it yeah. drop dead. And and you saw when him and Pogba went off, whether it was him or Pogba that was that was doing it we can't say it was both of them to be honest but the tempo did drop and the pace of United's game did drop and yeah he, he just he does so much that at some point it's going to come off and,
0: and he, that that tempo and that intensity that he brings to our team definitely has an impact on everyone around him yeah. I think that actually for me I, I tweeted about this during the game one of the most pleasing aspects of that performance especially in the first half for me you know it, obviously it was great seeing us be creative and make chances and all this stuff but it was actually the intensity that we showed when we lost the ball yeah. because so often in these kind of games in the last couple of years, we're so laborious going forward and we're doing everything so slowly in attack. It then rubs off in defence the in transition when we lose the ball, we don't recover quickly enough. The intensity isn't there in that recovery. Yeah, And it was. Every single time we lost the ball against Brighton, we had it back within five seconds. Yeah. And you could see Bruno Fernandes, Pogba, Greenwood, Rashford, whoever it was, the intensity was there to straight away yeah, sprint back and harry Brighton. We're putting them under a lot of pressure, and we won the ball back so quickly, almost without fail. And it obviously that isn't, I guess, what most people would end up taking out of the game. But I th- it was—it's such an important part. It of was definitely noticeable yeah. because it stops the other team from having any kind of momentum. And uh, that, for me, was actually the most pleasing aspect, or one of the most pleasing aspects of that first half performance.
1: Yeah, I don't know where Bruno Fernandez gets his his energy from. It must be from the no. from from the milk no, he was no. having on the touchline afterwards.
0: <laughs> it almost—it almost, it reminds me a little bit of. Of a young Wayne Rooney and his sort of attitude like that but most players by the time they get to Bruno Fernandez's age was he 25 most pe- players by the time they get to that age have sort of lost that that edge and he, he just hasn't and it's lovely to, to watch
1: yeah it is um, right there's I, I'm trying to think what else we can add to to the discussion about the Brighton game without uh, re- repeating I think Nemanja Matic's role in the goal was that pass was
0: oh that pass
1: yeah and I think the best thing about that goal was Maguire heads it out Matic Chested it down, and as he chested it down and, and pinged that pass over, you thought, "Nah, this is if it, if this is a goal, it's it's going to be beautiful." And it was one of those moments. There are some passes in football where they happen, and you think, "If this doesn't end up in a goal, that's a, an injustice to the sport." Yeah. And and that was that was fully deserving of a goal. And also Greenwood's cross as well. First, firstly, that Greenwood spotted Bruno Fernandez's run at the back post. Yeah. Um, but also if if you watch the goal again, he kind of it, it's almost like he he chips the ball, like it's it's like he's got his wedge out and just gently gently lobbed it over the defense into Bruno Fernandez's path, and that's why he can finish in the in the way that he does. Obviously, it, it still required a, a great deal of skill and would have me missing the ball and lying on my ass on the floor. But the <laughs> the cross was such a good quality, and that's what made it so so good. Was everything was just so precise and it was done at such speed, and yeah, it was yeah, it was just one of those moments where you where you watch football and you. Think, think that's that's why 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 you love watching football because it's just one of those goals where you're like this is that's that's football played at it's very best
0: yes yeah, football played at it's very best because I think what separates football from so many other sports it's probably up there with with off the top of my head probably only rugby that I think can I guess compare with football in this regard it's the pre- it's the combination of speed and precision and speed and technique and it's constant yeah and I think that goal was a perfect embodiment of what makes football so unique in that it was the combination of speed and elite speed. You know, we're talking about these players running full full speed. It took, I think, all of about five or six seconds for us to get from one end of the pitch to the other, combined with that technical yeah. ability. And then, like, as you said, Bruno Fernandes' finish. I had no, normally when, when a cross like that comes in to a player, you, you kind of think, oh, they're going to sky it or drag it or shank it, or whatever. But I, yeah. I didn't really have any doubts as Bruno was finishing it. But that's a very difficult technique. But I think the fact that it came to him on the floor yeah. and that he hit it with his laces rather than his instep, all of it, I think it added to how aesthetically pleasing that goal was to watch I I mean it doesn't really get any better than Matic's pass that was something else I remember I I think when I saw Matic chest the ball down and then wind up his leg like that I actually thought that he was panicking and just trying to hoof it upfield because we'd been under a bit of pressure at the start of the second half for the first three or four minutes and I thought he was kind of panicking and just trying to hoof it upfield and then you see what he spotted and I mean you know everyone knows how great the rest of it was
1: Yeah Um, right we are going to move on to Marcus Rashford just very quickly I I think this comes with the caveat that even though so first of all I, he's he's not at his best he, he just looks a bit off it and I think the, the thing that makes it obvious is he's just not running at people he's not he's not taking people on and he's receiving the ball and he'll pause and he'll look for the cross and the caveat that I, I mentioned is against Sheffield United he still contributed a great deal against Brighton he still contributed a great deal so it's it, it's worth reminding ourselves of that he's not at his best but he's still contributing to the team he's still United's best choice on the left wing and, and he will recover he will start scoring goals again and, and, and start playing better because he, he I, mean, I don't know if it's just me but he, he does just seem a bit off it and it makes you question whether he is fully fit
0: yeah it went through my head too he, he just doesn't seem doesn't seem fully on, on the pace at all And don't know if it's a confidence thing I don't know if it is that maybe he's not fit but yeah whatever it is he definitely isn't playing no anywhere near what, what we know and can expect from him it's just I mean I, I think the Brighton game was a perfect example because you saw the huge difference in the way that play progressed when the ball went to green. Greenwood down the right versus when it went to Rashford down the left and when it went to Rashford which is completely unlike yeah. Marcus Rashford everything was very slow everything generally was you know coming back into either Luke Shaw or Pogba or Matic whereas Greenwood was was trying to drive at, at the fullback defending him it was uh, you know wan Bissaka on the overlap rather than passing it back to his fullback it, it was just such a such a huge difference watching them yeah. play and it's very unlike Marcus Rashford to do that normally when Rashford isn't in good form he's still running at play still taking those risks they, they just yeah. don't come off um, so it's been it's been quite jarring watching him play and not even really trying those things yeah, now yeah
1: you just it, it's because he's when he's at his best he's probably he's United's most exciting player and definitely before his injury he yeah. was he was so good to watch and every time he got the ball he thought it was it yeah, but watching him at Old Trafford, especially because every time he gets the ball, you hear all these shouts around. You've got Marcus because it, when he's running at people, he, he's so good to watch and he's so effective. So it's just that it's just you you want to see him run at people, take people on, and and try it. And hopefully, um, hopefully we we will start to see that. But the Norwich game, the less said, the better. One of those cup games where you you're thankful you won it and you never want to mention it again. Celtic Vigo in the Europa League, Anderlecht in the Europa League. We, th- it happens every season. Uh, it was a disappointment. I think we probably should have started a better team and, and got the result sorted and then especially with five subs you can hook all your big players at half time if you need to um, but yeah it was it was frustrating and it was really really boring um, saying that had there been fans there Maguire scoring a 118th minute winner probably would have seemed better than it than it does but it's one of those where we're just going to move on I think
0: yeah it's <sighs> it's it's a performance that you don't really want to think about and probably will go out of everyone's mind very 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 quickly I think United are lucky in that it's a cup game rather than a Premier League game because if that was a Premier League game that had ended 1-1 after normal time with that performance I think we would have been coming in for a lot of very fair criticism and this podcast would probably be taking on a very different tone (laughs) than what it is but the fact it was a cup game and that we did end up getting the result out of it ultimately is all that matters and I think having seen how we played against Brighton after that gives you a bit. More hope in and and sort of uh, I don't know I guess comfort in writing off the Norwich performance yeah. in that it was just a one off because we've seen how we've done since then against Brighton yeah. but yeah it wasn't was not a good performance by United at all yeah
1: and it was particularly disappointing because there were there were still some big names starting in the team Fernandez Shaw Maguire yeah. McTominay there, there there were some there were first team players starting eleven players in in that starting lineup and none of them really performed in in the first half the second half was was a bit better but um, yeah. We'll We'll, we will move on we said it's one of those we'll move from, from and, and we will do that uh, to a youth round up
0: Marcus Rashford all oh, glorious that is a special one Giggs oh, what a fantastic goal from Brian Giggs. shirt is off he celebrates he ran 50 yards nice little pass there to a kid best going on Charlton coming up as well and on the far side it's Aston Straight into
1: the path of Charlton! This time, will it open up for her? It's James, brilliantly done! Lauren James! historic first ever Super League goal for Manchester United Big news of the week is that Angel Gomez has left Manchester United I know some well I think most people will be asking why and, and it is hard to say and, and we kind of have to have to guess about it as well uh, what I know is that he was offered a new deal at United and his, to be fair his original deal that he signed a couple of years ago was a, a, quite a good one he, he was paid quite a, a decent amount of money a week and when he signed it he just won the under-17s World Cup with England he'd already made his debut um, I don't think him leaving the club was was about the wage because United made him another good offer and I don't think he's going to get necessarily paid any more at any other club he, he does want first team football and he's not getting at United and that's kind of where the, the, the problems are had Gomez signed a new contract either at the start of the season or in January I'm fairly confident that Solskjaer would have loaned him out for the whole season or for for the back end of the season and then he would have got the first team football he's craving and he he does need it to be fair but Solskjaer's policy appears to be commit yourself to the club or you're not going to get those chances above someone else who has done uh, who has committed themselves to the club the same happened with Teeth Chong who has now agreed a deal and once he agreed that deal he started getting first team games again is it the right policy? well you you do you risk losing a talent like Gomez or Paul Pogba in the past but it, it does make sense United couldn't let him go out on loan for his last season on his contract without knowing that he was going to return because it was opening, it was putting him in the shop window to go and, and get a free uh, a free transfer somewhere else and, and from Angel Gomez's perspective he just wanted to play and he didn't get that many chances so it, it's a case of viewing it from both sides, what else could United have done? Well the policy seems to be sign a deal and you get a chances so that's it, what could Gomez have done? Well maybe signed the deal earlier, gone out on loan. I don't know it's a difficult choice for him and, and he's a good talent and, and does need first team football because he's not exactly blessed in terms of height and I, I, I would always support English players going abroad so I, I hope um, he goes to the Eredizavi, La Liga or Bundesliga, not elsewhere in England. But best of luck to him. Um, Largely Ramazani as well as, has also left. And uh, I said last week he would probably sign for a segunda division side in Spain. He's about to sign uh, for Udi Almeria on the south coast of Spain. So good luck to him as well. Right, the next match against Bournemouth, Saturday, 3pm. A, a very rare occasion for Manchester United. Unfortunately, fans can't go, so we can't take advantage of the 3pm kickoff. But look, it should be a win at home three three nils in a row would be nice uh, I wasn't that confident for Brighton I'm probably more confident for this which means we'll we'll probably lose
0: <laughs> yeah uh, that has been the uh, the pattern for Man United this this season get off a good head of steam and then end up losing a stupid game against a lower lower table team yeah you would hope that we can do a number on Bournemouth especially at home I think <sighs> It's hard at the moment, I think, to characterise Man United because all the evidence that we've had since the restart and, and before the restart, to be fair, was has been positive. You know, everything looks good. We look like a very dangerous team. And you'd probably say this is the most cause, genuine cause for optimism that United fans have had since, honestly, probably since Alex Ferguson retired. Yeah. But there is still this lingering doubt in, I think, the majority of United fans' minds in that we're still just not quite sure how real this is. How- how, yeah, how, so how sustainable before. it is. Yeah, exactly. You know, we've been here so many times before, where we've had you know little glimmers of hope, and then it, it, we've gone off the rails, and a few good few good performances have then been cast aside by evidence from some pretty bad performances then coming in afterwards. So I think the end of this season, even though we don't have very particularly challenging fixtures until the end of the season, but this is really really important for United to keep this momentum going, and I think to prove to ourselves and to our fans that this is the real deal and that this is the United team that we're going to be seeing going forward and th- that this isn't the blip yeah
1: it's, it's- you you do feel fairly confident in in this team. I think partly because of Bruno Fernandez, partly because of of just how well the midfield's done. Which whereas norm, normally our good runs yeah. have been kind of reliant on on Rashford playing brilliantly, Martial playing brilliantly. And to be fair, Marshall uh, Martial again, uh, we didn't mention him against Brighton. Another another very good game. He is in in good form, um, even though he didn't score. That I think yeah, it's it, it's just a question of how sustainable it is. And obviously football is different, and it, it's it's kind of a you, you go back and forth. Because you think, well, there's no fans at stadiums. Football's different. Big clubs are going to benefit from that because they're not going to uh, a a stadium where there's Twenty thousand Brighton fans screaming at them, and for for their biggest day of the season, their cup final, which it has always been when when United go to smaller teams, and that's always made it more difficult. On the other yeah. hand, you think, well, this it, it, even even taking that into account, it gives this United team kind of a bedding in time that they've never had a a couple of months where the pressure is off, and I, that that just does not happen at, at elite level football. And of course, the pressure is still on, but it's not the same. So you think, well, okay, United. Can can build themselves up now and then take this into uh, the the proper return of football. So yeah, you go back and forth, but you, you've got to hope it's it's the latter and, and that this is a kind of a period to build confidence, to build confidence, see where problems are, and then it can be can be managed from there. Who would you rest against uh, Bournemouth? Because obviously there are there are plenty of games coming up. I
0: think Matic would probably be the one for me. Despite how good he's been recently, I think he's probably the one of that sort of midfield and attack that I think is most likely to start kind of burning out before the end of the season I also wonder if Marcus Rashford would benefit from having a bit of a rest it's quite hard to know what to do in that situation because I don't know if the the issue is confidence in which case maybe keeping him in the lineup and giving him more opportunities and keeping faith in him will help I don't know if it's that he's not yet fully matched fit in which case maybe it's best for him to work on his fitness for a few weeks and not be playing in games I don't know so I'd probably say Matic and, and maybe Rashford. Um, I mean, honestly, I think the rotation needs to happen, but not wholesale rotation. It yeah. Should just be sort of one, maybe two players each game that gets rotated out. I yeah. don't think it needs to be sort of four or five players every week well, to, being taken out of the side because we we want to develop this rhythm that we've got. To go. Yeah,
1: and to be fair, the the, the schedule is very kind to, to Manchester United. The uh, so yeah. so it's it's Bournemouth on Saturday, and then the next game after that isn't until the Thursday against Aston Villa. Thursday the 9th of July that is, and then and then it's Monday against Southampton so it it is a very kind schedule and, and it should be nine points and you, you do look at United's back into the season we spoke more about the top four race last, last week so we won't do it in detail again but Chelsea are playing well Wolves are playing well but United have a very very kind running and they yeah. w- we should be getting in into that fourth place I, I don't think there's much doubt about that I, I think I'd, I'd rest Matic like you I think I wouldn't rest Rashford because he is still adding to the team and I think it's I'd, I would imagine he is fit because A he's had enough time to recover from his injury it's not like he, he's been rushed back early I don't think. Be he he's contributing and and I think it it's probably more about confidence and um he's still offering a lot in in terms of his hold up play. It's just he's not taking players on. So I, I'd keep him in the team and and maybe if you take Bruno Fernandes off at um with half an hour left, I might shift Marcus Rashford to number ten just to see to see what he can do there. Kind of playing off the strike in the same way that Fernandes does. I think could be could be quite interesting, especially if he's playing well. If, whoever he's playing off because he works well with both Martial and. And Odina Gala
0: yeah look, it could be an interesting way of, of seeing seeing anything it's a good experiment to try and do and this is probably a decent time to try and do it you know why not when we're playing this well I, I think we have the confidence to believe in our team to some degree no matter where everyone is is playing and especially within that front line so I think that yeah. it might be a good idea to try and see what Rashford might be like in that in that role and I think that's one of the beauties of what we have going at the moment is that there are good there are good relationships between the players and that is what will stand us in good stead
1: yeah and, and to, be, to be fair against Brighton the front three were interchanging a lot and it was it was nice to see Greenwood came onto the left then went over to the right Rashford and Martial were, were going in between each other and you could see the signs against Tottenham and it was actually something that I've, I think I mentioned it in, in the Tottenham episode where I was saying Martial and Rashford were clearly interchanging but that neither of them were doing anything in either position whereas against Brighton and against Sheffield United they were interchanging and, and that was having a good impact on the game um, very quickly prediction and then we'll wrap things up
0: part of me wants to
1: gotta to be 3 surely. <laughs>
0: Palmy of, of me wants to say like a one-all draw just because I I, I don't <laughs> want to get dragged into the false optimism to only to be disappointed. I won't do that yeah. exactly. I'll go I'll go for two
1: 0 Yeah, yeah. I, I I said I wasn't confident going into Brighton and I thought we'd draw against Brighton. I'm gonna go three 0 against Bournemouth, which means I've cursed it and I apologise to <laughs> everyone who is listening to this. I apologise to you um, if we if we don't win. Anyway, that's all we have time for on the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you as always for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review. We had some very nice reviews after our our call for reviews last week. So thank you if you left one of those. I haven't got them up in front of me right now, so I can't thank you by name, but uh, I, I'll do that next week. I'll make sure I do. Thank you for leaving reviews. And if you haven't yet, um, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It does help us, helps more people find the podcast. Um, for more from Jack throughout the week, you can find him on Twitter at...
0: At tates T-A-I-T.
1: And you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD weekly pod that's P-O-D at the end have a great week enjoy the the football when United play like this it's, it's very easy to do that goodbye